Welcome to the Questions of Life podcast. I'm Kath, as always, I'm here with Donald. Hello. In our conversation today, we are discussing what is real happiness. Enjoy our conversation. So Donald, happiness. Normally you sing a song when I say happiness, but you're not going to tonight for copyright reasons, <laughs> as YouTube might break on us. But we're thinking about what is real happiness. People have lots of different ideas about what will make them happy. Now we have the return of the questions of life quiz, which makes me very happy. I get to put you on the spot and ask you a few questions about happiness. So four questions. Uh, first question is this. At what age... Do scientists say we are at our happiest? Three options. Is it in our teens, our 40s, or our 70s? What age do scientists say we are at our happiest? Because I wouldn't have gone for any of those. Okay. What would you have gone for? Uh, naught to five. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um... So I'll go for 70s. It is 70s. Incredible. I suspect dementia's setting in and they're just not aware that yeah. life isn't as, as great as normal. Yeah. Okay, so you've got one correct. Next one's true or I false. think they're wrong, but I've got yeah. it correct. I think yeah. a child is happier, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. True or false? A study in America concluded that a spoonful of ice cream made you happier. True or false, a spoonful of ice cream makes Maybe. you happier. Well, only if your teeth can cope with it. <laughs> I mean, you've got a sugar rush. I'm yeah. going to go... I, they, I'll say they did say that, so I'll say it's true. I think it's wrong, but I'll say it's true. Again, it's true. Excellent. Two out of two. Now, this is one that you'll definitely know the answer to. True or false, smiling improves your mood. That's true. It is true. Do you know that from personal experience? <laughs> of course. <laughs> right, okay. This is your final question. According to studies, British people can be truly happy if they bring home a salary of how much money? So they reckon that there is a figure of a salary that if we take that amount home, we will be truly happy. Not just happy, but truly happy. How much do you think it costs to make the average person happy? Oh, crikey. Well, I think that's going to be rubbish as well because <laughs> there are so many people that have a lot of money that are happy, are unhappy, and they think they're happy. Yeah. Or, uh, 30 grand. You're very close. It is £33,864. Interesting. All these different ideas people have about what makes somebody happy. Now, finally, I read in the uh, Huffington Post newspaper, uh, they came up with five essentials that you need for happiness. Now, they polled a whole load of people. Uh, so this isn't just a series of experts uh, working it out. So this is what the average person thinks. You need these five things to be happy. This is what people think. Think. Uh, so this is from all the people. This is from all the from people. such a happy nation. That well, yes. Okay. We are a very happy nation. Uh, so, health, so that includes physical and mental, money, relationships, contentment at work, and to love and to accept yourself. So that is what the Huffington Post says are the five things that people believe they need to be happy. Now, talking about our nation, there was a poll that was done amongst all of the nations in the world. So out of 156 nations, our country, the United Kingdom, came in 15th place. A mm. little bit of a miracle, 
I didn't, wouldn't have put us that high, just above Ireland. So when we talk about happiness... Is that the one where Finland came top? How do you know the answer to that? Because I think I read that. Yeah, Finland did come top. They are the happiest nation in the world. Wow, you're the right person to be talking about <laughs> happiness because you exude happiness. You <laughs> seem to know lots and lots about happiness. What do you think the average person thinks makes them happy? What, per, a person without Christ? Yeah, without faith. Just your average person in the street. Oh, I guess most people think it's money and relationships. Okay. And just define for us, what do you think happiness actually is? Again, that's difficult. I think, because, you know, one of the questions is whether you can be happy when things are difficult. Can you be happy when you're sad? Um, so is, happy, I don't, is happiness the absence of sadness? Um, but that's not possible, therefore it's not possible to be happy. Well, I would dispute that. So I think that happiness is, the, to me, the joining together of contentment, mm -hmm. of meaning, mm -hmm. of having a sense of meaning, and of value, mm -hmm. of having a sense of being valued. Mm -hmm. So it, you've got to somehow put those three together in some sort of um, uh, cake. And do you think that you can be consistently happy? Um... <laughs> I think we strive for, to be consistently content. Yep. I think we strive for something that we would call joy, mm -hmm. which is something slightly different. Mm -hmm. So we'll explain that in a moment. But in the world, but, but both of those you're striving for, and as frail and sinful human beings, we don't ever fully achieve 100% contentment, but we can be more content and we don't ever achieve 100% joy, So, we, but we can be more joyful. Um, happiness is difficult because you can't avoid trouble and difficulty. So that's even harder to find. The secret is to be content in the midst of trouble. Yes, it's kind of elusive, isn't it? This, this whole ideal that people have. I want to be happy. I want my life to be filled with happiness. Mm. For a lot of people, they think that's an emotion, a feeling. They're, oh, I've got to feel woo the whole time. But mm. we're not talking about that. It's something mm. far deeper and foundational. But I don't think you can be um, happy the whole time mm. and have just this great sense of, woo, life is fantastic. Because as you say, life is difficult. Mm. And it's all these other building blocks that you're talking about, your contentment and your joy and everything else that I think helps to work towards happiness. But if you can't attain that happiness because you're bereaved, because you're sick, because something's going on in your life, it then doesn't mean to say that your whole life falls apart and mm. you go from here to down here. But there should be a baseline consistency that we're aiming for in the midst of it. Yeah. So it's important to get our heads in the right place. We're not looking for someone constantly running around singing, hallelujah, I'm full of joy, everything's wonderful. That's not mm. happiness, is mm. it? Mm. So let, let's unpack what you and others that are, are very researched in this think happiness is all about. Yeah, so I, uh, 
I've looked at lots of different sort of, not asking people what they think happiness is, but asking sociologists and psychiatrists what they think happiness is. And I think it resonates and maps up against the Bible. Um, so the first level is a freedom from fear, that you are not about to be blown up, mm -hmm. you're not about to be harmed, you're not about to die. So the first level of happiness is a, f is a freedom from fear. Um, and we can talk about that in a moment. The second level of happiness is that you are loved mm -hmm. and that you love, that you're in relationship, mm -hmm. that you feel that you belong. That links into, fear, into the freedom from fear, so a sense of security, a sense of belonging in community. That's not necessarily a romantic love we're talking about, is no, it? No, uh, no. No. Um, it's, it's friendship. I mean, it can be, but... It can be, yeah. but it's... it's, it's in deepest sense, it's friendship mm -hmm. that you feel you have friends. Mm -hmm. and they, friends may their friends may be your family, mm. but they are friends, or yep. they may not be family. Yeah. Uh, so you go from freedom of fear to relationship to uh, I think the next one for me is a sense of purpose and mm -hmm. meaning and achievement that there is a reason to do things, and then the last one. Uh, is a peace of mind, is some mm. way dealing with our self-esteem and mm. our regrets or our shame or our guilt or all of those things. So, that, so if you can... So I think that, that those are the four kind of areas that I understand. If you match those up, then you're going to be content if not happy. And, of course, each of those have a... a, a a key part of what God's good news is about what Jesus comes to do. I mean, instantly I listened to those those four areas. Three of them, I think, are achievable um, with God in um, over time, quite straightforwardly. The first one that you talk about, the freedom of fear, I think sometimes is dependent on where we're born and the situation that we find ourselves in, because sometimes that's outside of our control. We're, we're at the, um, what's the word I want? I can't think of the word. But we're left to our parents, their choices. We're left to where we're born in the world. So if you think of what's going on, I'll use India again, in India or Israel, whatever it might be, how can you have freedom from fear in those kind of situations? How does God help? Well, I think at the bottom line is, if death is not something you fear, but something you are happy to embrace, mm -hmm. that removes a whole amount of fear. Mm -hmm. And secondly, if you are not afraid of people, mm -hmm. that removes a huge mountain of fear. Mm -hmm. Now that's, I don't think easily, you know, we're, uh, you know, I don't... You don't say that glibly. You, no, yeah, you don't. You, yeah. I, and I would say I am not afraid of dying. Mm genuinely not mm. afraid of dying I'm, I'm happy to meet Jesus but I am fearful of that happening in an unpleasant way or letting people down by that happening earlier than, than I'm, I would feel that the people who depend on me want it to happen yeah. does that make sense? absolutely um, but there is a freedom from knowing that this life is not all there mm. is and that I'm ready to meet Jesus Mm. and that my sins are forgiven and that he will say welcome. And that mm. does bring a freedom. 
That's quite countercultural, though, isn't it? If it you look is. at our culture, we're trying to prolong life. Exactly. You know, we're, we're desperate. I want to get to this age and I want to use this cream and this injection and uh, I want to invest in this kind of health care. Yeah. We, we, we are, as a, as a world, scared of death. Yeah. And especially, you know, this whole thing of COVID, if you can go through COVID, the whole that we've gone through, fundamentally, it doesn't matter if I die of COVID. Mm. Mm. That frees you up quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Now you might be fearful of letting of taking somebody's place in the hospital, you might be fearful of letting other people down who, mm -hmm. as you say, depend on you, but it does change the root issue if you yeah. say, I am not afraid of dying. Yeah. And I think uh, that's a tremendous blessing to have, uh, to not be afraid of death. And the main way that you have that is through knowing God it's and 100% this world through Jesus. isn't the only world. Absolutely. It's 100% knowing that he is, has come to show me the way to heaven and that there's a place there for me. Mm. You know, Jesus says to the disciples when he's on the last time he's about to die, he says, do not be afraid. Mm -hmm. uh, trust in me. I'm going mm -hmm. to prepare a place mm -hmm. for you and I will come back for you. And they say, show us the way. And he says, I am mm -hmm. the way. Mm. the truth and the life. Mm. Um, so I think once you take the biggest fear off the page, yep. it makes all the other fears manageable. Yep, yep. And then, the, and then the second biggest fear is the fear of, of man, is the fear of being laughed at, it's the fear of being uh, out of step, being different, being rejected, being humiliated by mankind. And the Bible talks a lot about that. It says about the fear of man is a trap, it's a snare. Mm -hmm. That if we're always trying to be what other people want us to be, we're always trying to be lovable and fit mm -hmm. in, peer pressure. It's a huge trap. It's a huge, yeah, I used to be a youth worker and it's a huge trap for young people. It's actually a huge trap for all adults. Mm. Uh, it's only little children that don't care what anybody else, and actually folks in your 70s. Yep. And uh, I am approaching the point of not really caring what I wear <laughs> and whether other people <laughs> like what I wear or not. And that's a huge freedom. Mm. Whereas if you think, oh, I can't walk into this room because I'm afraid that people won't like what I, how I look, they'll laugh at me, they'll reject me, they won't speak to me. That's really debilitating. Mm. But again, knowing that, that you are loved by mm. God and that he values you and that he cares for you, mm. it just undercuts that whole fear of having to be acceptable to mm. other people. And that's really, really liberating. And I suppose for probably 70, 80% of people, that would be where they are. Maybe for 20% of people, their upbringing has been slightly more extreme. So maybe they have had abusive parents. Mm. Maybe they've been through uh, an abusive marriage. I don't know. A whole host of different things. That takes slightly longer to work through with God, but the principle is still the same, that God is a God who redeems, who heals. We looked at this yeah. a couple of weeks yeah, ago, yeah. That, that God can take those places of brokenness where mankind has damaged us mm. and restore it and help us to see ourselves as God would see us. Mm. Uh, but that maybe takes a little more time. That's a bit more of a journey. Mm. So both of those groups of people, there is the possibility through God to not have to worry, oh, how am I comparing to such and such? Or I'm trying to live up to the expectations of my folks or my partner or whatever it might be. There's a sense of freedom, mm. being set free. And uh, 
discovering this is me. Mm -hmm. This is who God made me. And there's, there is a joy. There is a happiness. There is something yep. within that that yep. it's okay to be me. Mm. I'm a little bit different. That, that's all right. Yep. It's very liberating that I don't have to blend in with everybody else, that I don't have to be the same, that I don't have to have the same house, the same car, the same job, same values, any of those things. But people so easily get sucked into that, yep. don't they? Yep. That's the difficulty. Because there's such a fear of loneliness. And that, I mean, these time, they're all connected, these other mm. three areas, but there is such a fear of loneliness mm. that we're driven to be what other people want us to be. Mm. And if we can be free from the fear of loneliness, mm. we actually become more likely to be in relationship. We become more, mm. more lovable. Mm. I think social media... It doesn't help this. Mm. I, I've um, met with a few people recently saying that, uh, look at my family, we're a complete mess. I look at other people and they post these photographs on internet. They're all, all holding, holding hands. And I said, but that's one little photograph. You don't know how many rows went on to get that. That is the perfect picture that they have created. I mm. bet you they have their fair share of arguments and I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. And, and social media's damaging for that mm. where you look mm. at it and you compare somebody's life to your own and you think really unhelpful i heard a really good analogy this week about this and uh, someone saying that we've all got photograph albums and in your photograph album is you have the, the best photos from your holiday that you keep for life that you stick under the bed or we used to have photograph albums and and that's your photograph album you would get out once a year at most and you'd look back at that holiday and mm. you'd say that was great but you wouldn't ever think that that was your everyday life no the problem with social media is we're looking at everybody's photograph albums a every day and mm. b trying to work out why our lives aren't like that well mm. it, it isn't social media mm. isn't life it's a photograph album mm. and mm. actually we need to see it as a photograph album mm. that's just a snapshot of the best days, it's not reality. But with the old photograph albums, do you remember having the, the film in the camera, you went to the chemist or whatever and, and gave it, you got them back, you had no clue what they were going to look like. Mm. Half the time you're not looking at the camera or yeah. my mum's finger was over the lens or... Do, do you know <laughs> what I mean? You can't... You, there's no hiding with those, is there? Yeah. You can't present, oh, here's me with my filter and my best picture. Whereas mm. I think today it's even worse. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, there are kids that want to have plastic surgery, so they look like a particular filter. And I think for young people in particular, mm. growing up in this environment of comparison, of how do I match up to this person online or that person, or I'm being told to do this, it's huge. Mm. I mean, for all of us, but particularly for young people. Mm. It's, it's a real difficulty that causes a lot of pain mm. and angst and unhappiness mm. because you're trying to be something that you're not. You're trying to compare yourself to someone that you shouldn't be. And yeah. that actually we need to allow God to work in us and to become comfortable in our own skin yeah. and to know that we were fearfully and wonderfully made by him, that he looks at us and he smiles and he says, Donald, you're great. I made you to be like this. This is fantastic because this is your specific role to play in the world. Nobody else plays that role but yeah. you. And I, I absolutely, and I think one of the things as you get older, and it sounds patronising, you realise is that you only, you only look good for a small part of your life naturally. 
I'm not sure I ever did. <laughs> that God has, in some way, we're created to mm. get wrinkly, to mm. go bald, mm. to... And it, what does that say? That says that actually God's not really that bothered about the external, that what really mm. matters is the internal, mm. is our character and our, mm. and our, our nature, the way yeah. we relate to people. That's what's really important. Mm. And if we are obsessed with our looks, we're doomed to unhappiness mm. because there's only going to be a, a window of a year or two, somewhere between 17 and 22, when... We're, uh, and everything after that is decay and decline and, and it's liberating. It's real freedom to say, I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I don't care what people think, whether they think I'm good looking or not. It really, really doesn't matter. That's, that's mm -hmm. happiness. And that stands out just as much as someone that's had plastic surgery stands out. Because mm. you look at someone that's had plastic surgery, you know, like their face doesn't move, they've had Botox and you're like, why are you drawing attention to yourself? Because it just tells us all that you're feeling your age, that you don't want to look your age, that you're mm. not comfortable in your own skin. Mm. Whereas someone who is comf comfortable in their own skin, there's something about them, isn't there? Mm. There's just a, a really humble um, acceptance and confidence. This is me. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so bothered what you all think. I'm mm. just going to do my own thing. Mm. And that is compelling. You want to be with people like that. Mm. They, they draw you to them. Well, what, what have they got? Why can they just be so free and, and content? Mm. And I suppose that's what we're, we're in the strength of God striving for, isn't it? And, the, and both of these things are gifts from God mm. that he wants to give to everybody. So Absolutely. it's about understanding scripture and saying, Lord, take away my fear of mm. dying. Lord, take away my fear mm. of what other people think of me. And, uh, and just opening ourselves and say, fill me, Holy Spirit, mm. come in and transform my mind, renew my mind mm. in, in accordance with scripture. And he does that. It, it, it may be a process of a few mm. months uh, and it may require us making some choices in terms of not looking at social media or whatever, but it's, it's doable for everybody. It really is doable for everybody. I genuinely believe everyone can find a place of not being afraid of death mm. and not being afraid of people. Sometimes it requires us to talk to others and to pray with others about yeah. it. I know a friend of mine was petrified of flying and uh, we were going on a plane the next day. She came along to a church and um, she asked one of the prayer team for prayer and said, uh, I'm really scared of flying. And this member of the prayer team said, well, what's wrong with you? The worst that's going to happen is you're going to die. Uh, she walked away. It was, you know, <laughs> really not what she wanted to that's hear. That's the kind of thing I would say. Because I always think you need to look at the worst fear. Once you can look at the worst fear, yeah. it's either death or being laughed at. And once yep. those, neither of those things hold any power over you. But getting to that place isn't always going straight for the kill, is it? Maybe I'm not as pastorally <laughs> sensitive as I ought to be. I'm not sure that person was because then that person didn't end up having any prayer. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we have to listen to people and we mm. have to help them to work out why are you so fixated on this yeah so something that's happened have you seen something can we pray into that and then just yes over absolutely. time unravel it yeah uh, we may think why on earth are you scared of dying um no i would never say to someone why on earth are you scared of dying but i think what i mean is that we need to pinpoint that that's the that's yes. the issue we need to deal yes. with it's not really about airplanes it's about no, yeah. that thing and that's what we yeah. need to address yeah
and that just takes a little bit of time. And, and it's perfectly natural for many of us to be afraid of dying, mm. but it's not, I was going to say, it's not terminal. It's not, <laughs> it's not something where God wants to leave us. Yeah. He came and rose from the dead to mm. show us that he doesn't want us to be afraid of that. Mm. And, mm. and I think, like we talked about this before with fear, God is never angry with people who are fearful. Mm. He just wants to say, you don't need to be. Mm. And it's a gentle voice. When you mm. read the voice of Jesus saying, do not be afraid, mm. it's a gentle voice. Mm. It's not a rebuke. It's interesting, though, how we hear Jesus' voice, isn't it? Because for some of us, it is a, a harsh voice. And it's learning that actually Jesus was gracious mm. and compassionate and caring and loving. Mm. And to hear it through, I was going to say that lens, that's the wrong, that, those ears is, mm. is, is really, really important. Mm. So we have fear mm. and we have this, this sense of when we begin to recognise that fear doesn't have to have that hold over us and we're set free from us, that's the first building block, in a sense, into us finding happiness. Mm. What's your second one? So my second one would be about feeling valued and loved and that I, that's the, the good thing about this area is I think this is more within our action. Yeah. So we say, well, I, I want to be loved. Why haven't I found anyone to, to love? I I'm not talking about finding a partner. I'm talking about finding good friends. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's about being a good friend. Mm -hmm. So if we choose to be compassionate, we choose mm -hmm. to be merciful, we choose to be generous, we choose to be faithful, mm -hmm. we choose um, to be uh, kind, we make those choices. This is how we're going to live. I'm going to live in mm. this way, we will build communities around mm. us and people will want to live with us. We may not get married, mm. but we will be surrounded by people who are good friends. Mm. And that is what God intended for us. We have been made to live mm. in community. The body of Christ, is a, we're made to live amongst other people. Mm. And that's not about saying, hey, everybody, why aren't you loving me? Mm. It's about saying, okay, I'm going to love people. Mm. And even choosing to love the unlovable. We're going to talk more about that next week. Mm. But choosing to be a kind of person that mm. reaches out and cares for other people. And we will find we get that back. And we mm. get that back in really strong and good friendships. And, and um, that will help us feel happy. But that's countercultural again, isn't it? All these things uh, go against the natural instinct of humankind. Yeah. I want, I need. You know, it can be we're very uh, self-focused. I want a friend like this. You know, you see people writing their wish lists. I want a wife or a husband like this. This is what I want. This is what I need. Me, me, me. And you've just completely flipped that on its head. You've completely just said, actually, be that person that you want to be friends with. And, and actually, you'll be, you'll be drawn to that kind of person and you'll be fulfilled because you're living your life in a healthier way. Yeah. We are made to love. Mm. But we don't see that, do we? And, and the byproduct is that we are then loved. Yes. But you have to put it that way around. Yes. The command of God is to love. Mm -hmm. Love your neighbour. Mm-hmm. Uh, love like Jesus. Mm. That's the command. And when we do that, mm. we will find that other people like us. Why aren't people doing that? Why have we missed that in society? Um, I think I, 
I think the devil um, blinds us, distorts us, throws these seeds of stupidity amongst mm. us. That's part of it. And I think the other part of it is that uh, God made us with certain function, uh, bodily needs. One of those is self-preservation. Mm. And we're made to protect ourselves, but we tend to let that become selfishness. Mm. So we move from the desire that says, I won't go near that fire because I might get burned, which is natural, God-given, mm. sensible self-preservation. Mm. We move towards everything must be how I want it. Everything must mm. be about me. And we place ourselves at the center of our lives. And that's not how God made us. God has created us to be people who give to others. And in giving, we receive. Mm. He's not made us to be people who grab, who hoard, who say everything for me. Mm. And I think that's one of the lies of Satan. So he kind of takes this natural part of us, self-preservation, and he just distorts it and makes us self-centered. And it and it, it ends us we end up being unhappy. We just mm. flip from one relationship to another mm. and we are unhappy. What would you say to people that say, I'm only gonna be happy if I'm in a relationship? Or I know somebody said to me uh, some time ago that I never knew what happiness was until I got into this relationship. It was as if my life was in black and white and now it's in colour. What would you say to that? I would say that that statement is probably f first six months. <laughs> <laughs> it's now gone back to black and white, if not sepia. <laughs> I think that the grass always looks greener on the other side mm. of the fence. Mm. And I could take you to married people who say, if only I was not in this relationship, if only mm. I had freedom, if only I had a different partner, if only I didn't mm. have these kids. Yep screaming, keeping me up, worrying me out, staying out late. If only, if only, if only. Mm. If, you live, if we live our lives on if only, we're never happy. The contentment is not finding what you haven't got. It's, it's discovering that what you have is enough. I was going to say, so do you think that you will ever be happy if you're looking to find it through what someone else gives to you? No. Because I think that basically is what people are looking for, that something is going to be added to my life that that is going to bring me happiness. And unless that's Jesus, that's not going to fully Yeah, and you're always us. the victim. You're always the victim of other people not providing for you. Mm. And you've always got someone to blame. The good mm. news about Christianity is... It's all about you and God, mm. and that is sufficient. Mm. So we need to feel loved. Yeah, we, we need to be loving, mm. if you like. Yeah. Mm. So and so we're loved through being loving. Yes. It's flipping that on its yeah. head, looking at it very differently. God says, love. Jesus is love. Yeah. We love. Yeah. And then in return, we are loved. And that links on to the third mm -hmm. area, which is a, a sense of meaning and purpose and that you can get to the end of a day or a week or a month or a year and a lifetime and say, you know what, I did something mm. and, I, and it was worthwhile. Mm. That's really important. And that can be in the short term, that can be, you know, I dug over the garden mm. uh, or, you know, I fixed the computer. Those kind of things satisfy. But what really satisfies is to get to the end of a, a month and say, I did what God wanted me to do. Mm. And that will be that we've loved. Mm. 
that we have made a difference in somebody's life, that through our compassion, our care, our prayer, our wisdom, our generosity, our patience, our listening, we have transformed a person's life. And that then will be through the skills, the gifts, the opportunity, the use of time that we have, whether it's our work, whether it's not our work, whether it's our the way we just live our life amongst people, whether it's the care we give in, in a family situation, whether it's the care we do professionally or not, whatever it is, that it, we are making the world better because of what we do, that we are bringing in the kingdom, that we are mm-hmm. a part of God mm-hmm. blessing other people. Whatever language mm-hmm. that you want to put, all of that brings happiness. But what makes you unhappy is to get to the end of the day and say, I did everything that I wanted for myself. So what? Mm-hmm. And it's an emptiness. Mm-hmm. There's a pointlessness. I'm richer. So what? Mm-hmm. I've eaten what I wanted to eat. So what? Mm-hmm. I've used and manipulated and trampled on people. Mm-hmm. So what? Mm-hmm. I've posted all these things so what? Mm. I haven't made anybody else happier. I haven't enriched and blessed, made the world a better place. And for me, one of the greatest senses of happiness is feeling that were I to die tomorrow, that people would grieve mm. and they would say, you know what, this is what the legacy that, this, mm. that I've left. This is what I've done. Mm. And you don't want to get to the end of your life and I've had to do funerals like this. You don't want to get to the end of your life and there's nobody there and nobody can think of a good word to say about you. Mm-hmm. And that's horrendous. Mm-hmm. And that's an unhappy life. Mm-hmm. And you would think if you could live your life doing exactly what you wanted for mm-hmm. yourself in a self-centered way all your life, you would think you would be happy. Mm-hmm. It's ultimately deeply unhappy. Mm-hmm. So, so, so no, having that sense of purpose, I'm here, God has given me breath, that breath is to be a blessing to other people and I, I know how to do that. That's a real happiness. We've done a, a session on that, but I think for some people, they think unless you are um, a professional Christian, so they'd look at you and say, yeah, well, of course, there's going to be a load of people at your funeral. You know, of course, people are going to see the way that you've touched their lives. But sometimes I think people look at their lives and think, so I've done some things, what impact am I making? And I often think that those that aren't professional Christians, whatever word you want to use it, they are, we would call, on the front line. Mm. Their ministry is far harder than ours, Mm. I think, because often we are talking to those that already have an interest in faith. They are out there living, and we are when we're not in our roles here, but they are out there living it 24-7. What an impact. Mm. You know, just the little touches of love and the things that they say and they do are so significant, but often they can't see it. They just think, well, I just do this and this. I'm not great. Uh, I'm not really doing much. Whereas I would want to say, yes, you are. If you are living for Jesus in the place that he has planted you and you were doing what he prompts you to do and you were seeking to love, that is incredible. That is far more powerful than bringing God's kingdom in. You may not see the, the ripple effect that it's having, but persevere because there's something unique about each of us that we find ourselves in these unique situations and God says, this is for you. Absolutely. And I think 
you know, I don't, I don't want to write my eulogy for you. <laughs> when I die, <laughs> you know, people might say uh, he, he could do a decent sermon, but I don't think that will be the main thing. I think the things I hope that people will appreciate will be the things that all of us could do. Well, you know, he listened. Mm. Well, how many of us can do that? Every one of mm. us can do that. I hope that it would be he accepted me. Yeah, he showed grace. Yeah. All of us can do that. You can do that mm. work, you can do that anywhere we are. Mm. I hope that it would be um, I felt valued by him. Mm. All of us can do that. Mm. So I don't buy that oh, you're a professional Christian, therefore it's easy for you. But I think it's insecurity in people. I don't think they feel um, they're good enough. Yes. That I those think that's things where matter. it comes from. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Whereas for me, that is just it's key. It's, it's everything. Yes. It's everything. It, 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 I, I know that the sermons don't really make a difference in people's lives. They're there, they're, they're value, there's a use to them. Just, but really, it's, how, it's the person that we are. Mm. That's what really matters. I think people see through everything else that if mm. we're not interested, if we're not loving, if we're not listening, then it's incredibly obvious and off-putting. Yeah. yeah. They're, yeah. they're smart. Yeah. But if you can feel that that's my purpose. Yes. I'm, I'm going into the office tomorrow or I'm going to be in the home tomorrow. My purpose is to express the love of God to the people I'm with. And I'm good at some things and I'm going to do them to the glory of God. That's fantastic. And to have that sense of that's what I was meant to do today. Not every moment of the day, but you can look back and say that conversation that action, that prayer, that was what I was meant to do. I've got a friend who uh, works in a school. They're a TA, teaching assistant. And uh, because of COVID, everything's all, all changed. So the cleaners uh, don't have to do uh, the cleaning of tables and stuff in classrooms. That's what the TAs and teachers are now expected to do. And so for some of them, it's like, well, this isn't my job. We shouldn't do that. So some haven't done it and for this person it's like why why shouldn't I do it actually I need to do this this is something that I should do because it helps the cleaners out it's what I'm supposed to do and I think in that one act one person that says no I'm going to do it I'm going to clean the tables speaks volumes mm. because you're looking thinking why are you not moaning and why are you doing rolling your sleeves up and you've become a servant well what did Jesus say you know, what did Paul say about Jesus? He became a servant and that should be our whole heart and reflecting something of him. I think that's far more important to do that than stand in a classroom and say, I believe in Jesus, you know, and give a good old speech and then moan about cleaning the tables. I, uh, this is, as we're recording this, I listened today to um, our devotional for today, which was done by Judy. And she quotes Oswald Chambers, and really, really helpful. It's a week old now as you're watching this, but it's worth, worth going back and finding in our devotionals. She talks about how Oswald Chambers talks about the difference that God doesn't ask us to do something exceptional. He asks us to do something ordinary in an exceptional way, to do it in the best way we can. Yeah. It's not about some dramatic big event. It's mm. just about doing the ordinary to the best mm. of our ability. Mm. And, that, and knowing that that's okay, knowing yep. that that's, all, that's what we're here for, is, yep. it brings happiness. And that gives the greatest deal of satisfaction, doesn't it? Just those, those ways where today you look back and you think, actually, yeah, I know that was a good day. Mm. 
I was able to bless and to do this and to do that. And it wasn't spectacular. Mm. But you go to bed with a peaceful heart, thinking, oh, me and God, I've tried, yeah. we've, we've, we've done today. And that links us on to my fourth and final thing, yep. which is about peace of mind. And yep. I think there are, there are some key things that we can do for peace of mind that, mm -hmm. that God just says, look, I want to do this with you. One is that gratitude mm. is just practicing being grateful rather than being envious or bitter or angry or resentful. It's letting mm. go of the pain and the mm. anger and all of that for the big things is a miracle, it's a process, it's a prayer. Continue prayer, Lord, mm. take away my anger, take away my blame, take away my bitterness and replace it with gratitude. Mm. And learning to forgive others and learning to forgive ourselves. And so that whole area of being able to say to God, I'm sorry, mm. I, I bring my regret, I bring the mm. past, I bring it all to you and God wants to to rep wash, forgive, cleanse, remove our shame mm. and replace it with gratitude mm. uh, or, you know, the concept of worship, all of that stuff is a huge field, but it's fundamental happiness is to be able to say, I accept what's gone wrong. Yeah. I accept what I've got and I can see the good in it. Yeah. And I know that I'm still loved. And I know that I'm forgiven. And all of that brings peace of mind. And that's what Christianity is about. Mm. And again, we use this word all the time. Sometimes that is a journey. Sometimes mm. people don't always feel that and, and aren't in that place. So just talk us through how simple it is to work on that. So, so I think the journey of... of Totally, and forgiving others is saying, God, I, I, I want to be, I want to want to forgive this person, mm. and it's just asking God, so Lord, help me, help me to get. I want to be, I don't want to be bitter, mm. but right now I'm really angry, so I'm just offering that in honesty to you. I mm. want to want to forgive, and as time goes on and we keep praying that, we're persistent because that's what we want. We get to a point where we say, actually, I want to forgive, mm. and then you get to a point as you're persistent in that prayer and time, sometimes talking it through, being prayed for with others, you get to a point where you say, I do forgive. Mm. And then you say, Lord, help me to keep on forgiving. Mm. And, and so that's a really important process. And in terms of ourselves mm. and forgiving ourselves, it's being honest with God and, and, and not being afraid of voicing the things we, we deeply Mm. are ashamed of in ourselves, but actually bringing them out into the light and saying, God, here I am. Mm. This is what I, I hate about what I've done. This is what I hate about who I am. Mm. And as we're honest with God and then we allow scripture and we allow a real understanding of who Jesus is on the cross to mm. just say, okay, I'll take that. Mm. I'll take it. You don't hold it anymore. I'll take it and, mm. and give it to him. And that's sometimes something that we'll do again as a process, constantly saying, Lord, here's my sin, here's my mm. rubbish, here's my uselessness, mm. I give it to you. Mm. And I put it at the cross. Mm. And to doing things like taking communion mm. and just receiving his forgiveness and saying, mm. oh, I, I, I trust that you forgive me. I don't always feel it, mm. but I trust it. I choose to believe it. I choose to believe that, that the Bible mm. says that I am loved mm. and that when I confess my sin, I am clean. I mm. choose to believe that. And as we choose, make that choice in time, we feel it and I mean, we're free. The Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of our minds. There's something incredibly powerful yeah. about what we let into our minds. 
And I think it is focusing on the positives of scripture. For me, it's having go-to scriptures that remind me of what Jesus has done and remind me of who I am because of it. Because if I'm left to my own devices, my mind just runs away with me, you're rubbish. All of these things go through. And we, we talk about this a lot. We have to ground ourselves in Scripture. Mm. What, what is the undeniable truth about us? Mm. It's not what I feel. It's not what I think. It's not necessarily what other people say to me or about me. What does the Word of God say? Let that be the thing that feeds my mind and fill it with that. And limit the other unhelpful voices and things that, that we can at times fill it with Mm. I think peace of mind is really important as to what we allow in there what Mm. settles what ruminates what you know it's like you you listen to a a, a load of podcasts and things so that often is what's influencing your mind I mean some of them are football so that's you know that is what it is and that's Mm. good because it helps you to relax and there's nothing wrong with that but then there's other stuff that you're filling your mind with that is challenging you, encouraging you, is helping you to fix your eyes upon God. Yeah. There's proactive things that yeah. we can do to help yeah. that whole process. Yeah. yeah. Anything yeah. else that you'd say in this whole area? Well, I, I just think the final thing is that we haven't, I haven't put it in the four, is just having a concept of health and rest and a concept of saying, you know, uh, I need to do things that restore and refresh mm. me and we talked about this before, and I need to look after my body, mm-hmm. that I'm not, so exercise, mm-hmm. being outdoors, eating mm-hmm. sensibly, um, not working all the time, having things that we enjoy that restore and, and give mm-hmm. us life. All of that stuff is important. As a sort of fifth add-on, I yeah. think you have to have those other four fundamentals, yeah. but then there's just a little bit around that. And then I guess connected to that is saying, I don't accept what the world says. Money is not going to make me happy. No. A partner is not going to mm. make me happy. A good job is not going mm. to make me happy. If I've got these other five, four things in place and I'm looking after myself, then I will be happy whatever my job is mm. and I'll be happy whatever my relationship status is mm. and I'll be happy whatever my income is. Mm. Uh, mm. And that's... If we can't chase after the illusions of, of the world. And alongside that, there will still be times of sadness. Yeah. There'll be loss and difficulties that we're, we're never exempt from in this life that will at some point uh, affect us. Yeah. But hopefully those foundations will Give help you the us. resilience to, to deal with it and to, 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 to be... There's a great passage in 2 Corinthians. He talks about us being... Um, under pressure but never crushed and not in despair and and it's having that sort of resilience of that you can cope with the difficulty sometimes there'll be ill health sometimes there'll be mental ill health that make this slightly harder at times inevitably it will happen every all of us will get ill Mm. and all of us will get sad Mm. it's not possible not to be ill or sad but we can be content yeah. We can be at peace. We can know that we are loved and that God is with yeah. us. And that's what transforms and changes everything. Yeah. It's not all the things that the world chase after. Bottom line, God. God is the one who fulfills every need that we have, who provides for us and who is the one that truly satisfies and gives us happiness. I don't always think happiness is a, a great thing to... Um, 
pursue and run after because we so often get in our heads that we are all full of woo yeah. uh, and that's just not achievable in this lifetime. I think contentment is a yes. better thing. Absolutely. Do you think in, when we get to heaven, do you think then we'll be happy the whole time? Oh, it'll be endless joy. Absolutely. I totally, Even totally. Like when because we're with no like more, there'll be no more tears, no more death, no more suffering, no more insecurity, no more selfishness, no more, no more doubt. No yeah, more but there'll be a load of Christians. Come on. Yeah, but they'll be, they'll be transformed. <laughs> they'll be perfect by then. And I tell you what, Christians are easier than non-Christians in the sense of, as a big mass, I, I can be careful what I'm going to say now. <laughs> what I'm going to say is this, that any community of people is problematic and difficult and the church is no less, in fact, slightly better than every other institution in the world, I believe. You'll always find individuals who are much better than certain Christians, you say, oh, they're much nicer individual. And that's absolutely true. Mm. But en masse, mm. I would rather be in the church than any other institution in the world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Any final thoughts or reflections? No, I'm happy to leave You're it happy? Mr. Happiness. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining with us in our session. We hope that you found it helpful. We'll be back